Amen. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. We are studying the book of Galatians. And uh, I don't know how many messages we have had so far, but it are, it's a few. And we are working through verse by verse the book of Galatians. The reason this is so important to do, first of all, the Bible tells us that we learn the Bible line upon line and precept upon precept. The best way to study the Bible is one verse at a time. Just read it, compare those verses, and let the Bible interpret itself. The other thing that's so important about this is in many churches, people never learn how to interpret the Bible for themselves because there's, a, there's an educated man in the pulpit who's been trained to do it, but the way he presents his messages never teach the people how to interpret the Bible for themselves. We don't want to do that here. We want our, our goal here. I, if God takes me out, if God killed me and I couldn't be your pastor anymore, I want to be remembered for simply two things. Number one, that we took off the world's glasses and put on biblical glasses. And number two, that we see your children serving the Lord in the next generation. If our children don't serve God, if we're not teaching our children that this is real, then we're just wasting our time. Amen? We want to see our children serve God in the next generation. The book of Galatians is so important for that purpose. If our purpose is to learn to see things biblically and to see our children serve God in the next generation, then we all need to understand that, first of all, salvation is by grace alone. You, you can, there is nothing any of us can do to get to heaven. We can't do it. There's no way that we can be good enough to go to heaven. Our good works, the Bible says, are as filthy rags to God. He doesn't need our good works. Now, once we're born again, He asks us to do good works for Him. But none of that takes you to heaven. Isn't that right? And that's what the book of Galatians is all about. That salvation is by grace apart from the works of the law. But that's not the primary theme of Galatians. The primary theme of Galatians is that we continue in the faith, we serve the Lord by that same grace that God saved with, the, with which God saved us. So the idea is very simple. After you're born again, God wants you to live for Him. God wants you to serve Him. We've been talking about the fair ministry this morning and all those songs Pastor Nathan, Pastor Nathan, <laughs> Pastor Nathan picked to talk about sharing our faith. Now, how many of you sang this morning? Raise your hand if you sang this morning. How many of you are going to be at the fair this week? Oh, look at how the numbers changed. It's interesting. See, I just get mean sometimes, don't I? That wasn't fair at all. You know, I love to tell the story as long as it's not at the fair. See, the only way that we're going to overcome the things that would hinder us from giving the gospel is by the grace of God. You know, if I stand up here and berate you and how come you're not going to be at the fair? If you're not at the fair, you're going to. First of all, Nick wouldn't respond real well to that. I heard that before Nick was saved, he was really mean. Is that true? <laughs> I wouldn't want to mess with Nick. He's not going to respond real well to that. And that's not what I as a pastor am supposed to do. Isn't that right? See, we're not going to do that. One of the things that I've uh, been dealing with as I travel and preach to preachers is this. We have too many pastors who want to have it both ways. They want to be able to interpret the Bible to preach that Jesus Christ is coming in the rapture soon. And we believe that, right? But they also want to be able to control people with the law. You can't have it both ways. 
you can't have it both ways. I cannot control you with the law, and I don't want to. I believe that when a person is born again, the Holy Spirit of God dwells in them. And Jesus Christ, Christ in you, the Christ that dwells in you, will change you and will give you the desire to do His work and His will. But here's the simple fact of the matter. We still must allow Him to work in us. The same way that we have to say, Lord, I can't save myself, that's when you have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I can't change myself, but I'm willing to do whatever it is that you've asked me to do. Part of that's going to be sharing your faith. Now, you're going to think, I know some of you, because this is Fair Week, you're going to think that I chose this message just for this week. This is where God is so cool. When I preach through books of the Bible, God deals with exactly what we need without me having to do anything about it. It's pretty cool. So get mad at Paul here in a minute. Now, let's start reading in Galatians chapter 1, and let's start reading in verse 11. And we're going to read through uh, a few verses here. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. Now, the gospel that he preached, what gospel is he speaking of? He defines it in 1 Corinthians 15 as the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures. Jesus died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That's what the Bible says. The reason Jesus died on the cross is because we are sinners. The good news is He rose from the dead, conquering death. And we can also have eternal life. That's the gospel. He didn't get that from men. Look at verse 12. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, what is the revelation of Jesus Christ? That is where God gives information that we couldn't have if He didn't give it. That's revelation. He reveals it. Verse 13. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. But other of the apostles saw I none save James, the Lord's brother." Now the things which I wrote, which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed, and they glorified God in me. Lord, help us as we study your word today. Lord, it's so powerful. It's so true. It's so effective. Lord, I pray that we will believe it, that we will submit to it, and then we will live it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. What I want us to see is something happened to the Apostle Paul. Well, he would have been Saul of Tarsus. He was on his way to Jerusalem again to kill Christians. Can you imagine? We're, like, we're talking about Osama bin Laden. You know, the, the, This is the picture that you've got to have in your mind. Here we are worshiping. Imagine someone who would, this, this guy that just killed the kids at the camp over in Norway. That's what we're talking about, people. 
Understand. And it was for religious reasons. That's what Saul was doing. And then Jesus Christ met him. Now notice I didn't say he met Jesus Christ. He didn't go looking for Jesus. Jesus came and found him and confronted him on the Damascus road. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Remember what he was doing. He was persecuting the church. He made havoc of the church, the Bible says. And yet he was persecuting Jesus Christ. How is that? Because when we're born again, we are in Christ Jesus. We become his body. So when Paul was persecuting, when Saul was persecuting the churches, he was persecuting Jesus Christ. And Saul saw the error of his ways. Received Jesus Christ as his Savior. And he changed. Things became different. So I want us to look this morning, this morning and this evening. I hope you'll come back tonight at 530, part two. This morning, we're going to be looking at after Damascus. After the Damascus road, what happened? Well, number one, number one, he had a new philosophy. See verses 13 and 14? He had a new philosophy. For you have heard of my conversation in time past. See so what he says? Of my conversation. And that conversation, that's the way that he lived, that the, the visible way that he lived. For you have heard of my conversation in time past, in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure, I, you might want to mark these pronouns, my conversation, I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions than my fathers. All right? This is, in his past life, it was all about him. How many of you think there's a little arrogance there? I was the best. It's just amazing to see. Uh, I, I was watching that uh, first take this week, you know, where the guys talk about sports on ESPN2. And they had this uh, Roddy White receiver for the Falcons. And I asked him this question. Who are, the, who are the top five receivers? He's a wide receiver. Who are the top five receivers in the NFL? And he said, and you mean besides me? It was hilarious, man. <laughs> that, that's the way that people live. They, they think it's about us. I've told you this before, that when I'm counseling people, that, uh, that sometimes I'll, I'll write on a piece of paper and put it down where the people that I'm talking to can't see it. It's not about you. Because we naturally, and I naturally, personalize everything. You're counseling somebody, and you're saying, well, here, let me tell you what I would do. Let me tell you what I think about that. It doesn't matter what I would do or what I think about it. What's important is what has God said about it. What does God want us to do about it? You see, when we meet Jesus Christ, there's a change in our philosophy. We go from being self-centered to being Christ-centered. Let's look at that in the text. Here's what happened. He has a new philosophy. His past life was about what he was doing. His new life is about what God has done for him. Look at verse 15. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. You see that? Who saved him? Himself? God. God met him on the Damascus road. And then after he was saved, God told him that he had created him for a purpose to serve him. And we're going to look at specifically how he would serve him. But it had a change in philosophy. It went from what I am doing to look at what God has done for me. How many of you see the difference? 
Man, there's a huge difference. When you meet Jesus Christ, there's a change in your philosophy. It all of a sudden is not about you or what's in it for you. It's about what God has done, what God is doing, and what God has for me. There's a change, all right? So he had a a new philosophy after Damascus. Now, something we got to remember here. Paul did not change from persecutor to preacher the way that you'd change from one job to another. I'm thinking of a career change. What have you been doing? Well, I kill Christians. What do you think about doing now? Well, I'm thinking about becoming a preacher. It's interesting, isn't it? Only God can make this kind of change. Only God can do that. I was thinking about uh, when I was in uh, Jerusalem uh, last month that we, Jay and I were walking up this, this street in the old city and this Orthodox Jew, you know, young man, he didn't have a beard, uh, but he had the black hat and the black clothing and he had the, the curls. Who remembers what those are called? Okay. Pigtails? No, that's not it. Anyway, he had, he had those curls. And when he saw us coming, he went like this, so he didn't have to look at us. How about that? Th- that is the attitude that the Apostle Paul had. We are beneath him. Now, how do you change that way? You don't. The Bible says, can a leopard change his spots or an Ethiopian change his skin? We're talking about people who, you know, for vacation, they like to go and be in the sun. Yet Jacob and I, we'd look like a piece of bacon if we did that. My skin, my sister has the same coloring that I do, my sister Debbie. And when we were young, she did everything she could to get a tan. Man, she should have just got a spray can because that's the only way it was going to happen. You cannot change your skin. Well, Michael Jackson, but besides that, you cannot change your skin, right? You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't change what's under the skin either. You can't change it. But God can. See, this is the change in our philosophy. We understand that we are not the people that we need to be. We are not right, but God can make us right. He can fix us. He can change us. And there's nothing that I can do. Only He can do it. Paul wasn't wrestling with doubts about whether his Judaism was true when he suddenly made up his mind to the contrary. And you know, the same thing is true with all of us. When any person is born again, when they're truly converted, that's the work of God. That's the work of God drawing them to the place where they're willing to receive His truth. It's new life. His new life was about what God was going to do in him and through him. So he had a new philosophy. But not only did he have a new philosophy, he had a new purpose, a new reason for living. Look at verse 16. To reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Look at verse verse 15. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen. He had a new purpose. What was his purpose before? You talk about a change in purpose. His purpose before was to kill people. And now he's... 
<laughs> and that's exactly what the Christians did. I don't know if you can see him. He jerked real big when I went back to him the second time. This is my son Jacob that I was just strangling, if you can't see up here. He changes from this to this, right? He now had a different purpose in life. His purpose in life before was, let's see how righteous I can be. Let's see how righteous that I can make you think that I am. Let's see how zealous I can be in the traditions of my fathers. That, that was his purpose in life. That's what he was living for. Now he has a new purpose. He has a new purpose. His new purpose is for God to reveal his son in him. So what's that talking about? Let, let's get something settled here. This is an interesting verse. Look at verse 15. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. He was separated from his mother's womb. What does that mean? That from the time that he was conceived, God had a plan and a purpose for his life. That's what the Bible says. I could say the same thing about myself. God did not make me to be a basketball player. Not a whole lot of 5'7", white NBA guys. Know what I'm saying? God didn't create me to do that. God didn't create me to be a male model. How many of you would agree with that? <laughs> there are certain things God didn't create me to be. He didn't create me to do those things. He certainly did not create me to be a math scholar. Didn't do it. I'm not made for that. That's not what, that's not what I'm good at. I couldn't do that if, if I wanted to. If that was my greatest desire, I couldn't do that. What did God create me to do? Teach His Word. That's what He, he built me to do that. Did you know that God created you to do something also? Do you know that God created every person in the world for a purpose? He gifted every person in the world for a purpose. It's amazing. It's amazing. Paul now had a new purpose. The Bible says that about Jeremiah and about Isaiah. The Bible says that Isaiah was a prophet called from his mother's womb. In Isaiah chapter 49, verse 1, Isaiah said that he was separated to God from his mother's womb. So now here's what we get, though. How many of you know people that are, that are Calvinists? They, they believe in predestination and all those things. How many of you know people that are like that? Okay. Uh, the, the, it's, it just is taking over conservative Christianity right now. And they'll use passages like this to prove that God ordained from the foundation of the world that the Apostle Paul would be such and such. The only problem is that's not what this passage says. Nothing happened here in this text before the conception of the Apostle Paul. Well, let, let's get some understanding of that. Here's a little parenthesis in the message to a teaching time to help us to interpret the Scriptures properly. Let's look at this. Before, he, this did not happen before he was in his mother's womb, as the Calvinist would teach. Look at, keep your place in Galatians and look with me at the book of Acts. Acts chapter 3, verse 2.
You know, the Calvinist believes that before the foundation of the world, God, in an ultimate decree, an overarching ultimate decree, ordained everything that would ever happen. You know, so that there, there's the joke that the Calvinist who fell down the stairs and said, thank God that's over with. Because God had ordained before the foundation of the world that he would, be a, that he would fall down the stairs. They believe that. Arthur Pink, the, the commentator, he said that Adam had no choice. He had to eat of the fruit. God had ordained it. Well, the Bible says God's not the author of sin. Isn't that right? That's, that's taking your philosophy and imposing it on the Scriptures. I like to tell Calvinists that, it, that it's not God's will that I be a Calvinist. They don't like that. Um, look at Acts chapter 3 and verse 2. And a certain lame man... What's it say? So he was lame from birth. He was lame from the time he was born. Did God ordain before the foundation of the world that he was lame? Is that what the Bible says? No, no, he was lame from his womb. Look at, from his mother's womb, look at uh, chapter 14. Verse 8. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple. What's it say? Who had never walked. All right. So now what we're seeing is that when, when it's amazing what happens when you actually compare the words of Scripture, it's the same words. So when the Calvinist says that God chose the Apostle Paul from the foundation of the world to do this, God may have done that. The Bible doesn't say that. What the Bible says is that he was separated from his mother's womb. So we knew that this is something that happened after his conception. And so it cannot be used in the Calvinistic sense, in the Calvinistic context. Look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And verse 15. This is speaking of John the Baptist. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. You see that? So this is all something that would happen after his conception. From his mother's womb. Look with me at, uh, at you know, we don't have to take the time to turn there. J- Samson was a Nazarite unto God from the womb, Judges 13, 5. So we understand that if we're going to understand, go back to Galatians with me. If we're going to understand this context, we have to, we have to get the right, if we're going to understand what's being taught, we have to understand the context. You know the context here in Galatians chapter 1 is not the Apostle Paul's salvation? No, after he was saved, God had a purpose for his life. God had created him and separated him from his mother's womb to do what? Look at what the text says. But Verse 15, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. One of the problems that we have is that people stop there. There's not a period there. There's a comma. Now, if it's been too long since you've been in school, that means the verse keeps going. <laughs> okay? Look at what it says. Who called me by his grace 
to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. So what this is saying, this separation was separation from killing Christians to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he was called to do. He was called to, by God's grace, to preach the gospel. And that's what we have to do at the fair ministry this week. We've been called by God's grace. We've been called by God's grace to preach the gospel to the heathen. How many of you think we might see some heathen out at the fair this week? <laughs> it's true. It's just true. You know who the heathen are? Anybody got a mirror? It's us. Anybody that's not saved is heathen, man. If you're saved, you were a heathen. And you hath he quickened who were dead and trespasses and sins. So uh, we, we had to get that context to understand this whole idea of being separated from his mother's womb. Now, there's one other thing that I want you to see. That separation always has two components, negative and positive. Separation is always from something, but it's also always to something. We don't just stop behaving like the world. We begin behaving like believers. Separation is from something to something. From persecuting the church to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a change. That's what separation is. And that's what God has called us to do. All right? So, he had a new purpose. He was separated from his mother's womb. And he was a tool of the Father. He was an instrument for God to use. But before he could use them, there was a prerequisite. Look again, verse 15. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me. See, before Paul could preach the gospel, he had to believe the gospel. Before he could be a, a witness for Jesus Christ, he had to be a child of God. He had to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, notice what it says here. Christ must first be in him. The person of Christ is the heart of the gospel. And what's interesting is the first message that the Apostle Paul preached, it's in Acts chapter 9, was that Christ is the Son of God. And look who is revealed in him. Who's revealed in him? Verse 16, to reveal who? Is everybody there? Everybody look at, me. Look, look at Galatians 1, verse 16. Who is being revealed? To reveal who? His Son. That's a very specific understanding. The idea of the Son of God is much different than the idea of the Jewish Messiah. The Jews were looking for a conqueror, an anointed leader. Jesus Christ came as that, but also as the Son of God. Very important. And so why is that idea of the Son of God so important? Because it identifies Jesus Christ with God the Father. It shows likeness. It shows relationship. And it shows that the Son and the Father are of the same essence. You see, this is why Muhammad rejected the concept of Jesus Christ being God's Son. He wrote in the Quran that God would not have a son. We must preach that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 1 John chapter 5, verse 12. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It can't be any clearer than that. Jesus Christ is the Son 
of God. That's where John 3.16 becomes so important. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Only one. The only one. The Bible says He came unto His own and His own received Him not, but to as many as received Him. To them gave He power to be called the sons of God. We can become the sons of God, but Jesus Christ was always the only begotten Son of God. There's a distinction. Now, that's why you got to be careful with some of the modern translations. They'll take only begotten out. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That's removing the distinction that Jesus Christ is the only Son that comes from the Father. He's it. He's it. And that's the message that the Apostle Paul preached, the first message that he preached. And that's what God wanted to reveal in him, the Son of God. It's the first message that he preached. He also said that he is the very Christ. Uh, look at Matthew chapter 26, 63. We're going to look at some verses real quick. Matthew 26, 63. This is when Jesus Christ is being tried before the high priest. Verse 62, And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace. Can you imagine how mad that high priest was getting when Jesus Christ wouldn't answer him? But, the high, but Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tellest whether thou be Christ, the Son of God. Why were they killing him? Because he was claiming to be Christ, the Son of God. And look what the Bible says in verse 64. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said. I love it. it Jesus wanted him to say it. And he did. And he did. So even this high priest, even though he didn't believe it, proclaimed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Look at Luke 4, 41. Y'all doing all right this morning? Luke 4, 41. Look at verse 40. Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him, bringing them to Jesus. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. His time wasn't come yet. But these devils knew who he was. Even the devils described him as the Son of God. Look at John 11, verse 27. John 11. Who was it that God revealed in him? The Son. John 11. Do you know that there are people that um, teach that Jesus Christ never claimed to be God? How many of you have heard of The Way? The Way International over in New Knoxville? All right. They teach that Jesus was a son of God, but he wasn't God. And that Jesus never claimed to be God. Um, and of course, we know that that's false. And we've been through those scriptures many times. 
Um, I told you that I was flying, I think I was flying to Atlanta to preach, and I sat down next to this guy, and I saw that he was reading what looked like some kind of a religious book. I said, what are you reading? And he showed me, and he said, I'm an instructor for The Way. Man, that was fun. I said, well, can you describe to me what you believe? Well, we believe that the, in, in the Bible as the Word of God, and we believe in Jesus Christ. And I, I said, um, do you believe that... And he said, we believe that Jesus Christ is, uh, is, the, uh, is a Son of God. I said, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God? He said, well, no. No, we don't believe that. He said, the Bible never says that Jesus Christ is God. And so, for the next little while on the airplane... Well, have you ever looked at... Let's just look at... We have a minute here. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 1. I said, what about Hebrews 1.8? And he said, well, what does that say? So we opened the Bible. And remember what he said. The Bible never says that Jesus Christ is God. Hebrews 1, look at verse 8. But unto the Son, you see that that's capitalized, Jesus Christ. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne. What does that say there? O God is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. God the Father, talking to God the Son, and he calls him God. And you should have seen this guy, man. He took, the, he took my Bible and he went like this. He started at verse 1 and he went. He said, I don't think that's what that's teaching. I laughed. You're supposed to be kind to people, I know. I laughed out loud. I said, well, then help me understand. If it's not saying that the Son is God, based on a, just a simple understanding of English grammar, pray tell. I didn't say that. But what is it teaching? Well, I don't know. I'm going to have to study that. I said, yeah, you probably do. That would be before you go and teach someone something else. You might be well served to find out what the Bible actually says about God. You see, this issue, this issue is so important. When the Bible identifies Jesus Christ as the Son of God, that is identifying Him, and the Jews understood it to mean that Jesus Christ is God. All right? Let's go back to Galatians. Very important, very important. In John chapter, we won't, we won't take the time to go there now, but in John chapter 20 and verse 31, a disciple identifies Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And go to Matthew 24, 42. This would be. I'm trying to save time, but we'll, we'll be all right. Matthew chapter 24, 42. Um, look at verse 44. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Um, you know what? I typed the wrong verse, so we'll just, we'll just move on. Jesus Christ identified Himself as the Son of God. Look with me at, um, back in Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. In verse 15, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him among the heathen. Paul says, 
Christ was revealed in me. Now, I want you to notice something. This is where the words of the Bible become so important. It doesn't say that he revealed him to me. You see that? It doesn't say that his mission was to reveal the Son through him. Most of the people who teach this text, and and I think that it is God's will that Christ be seen through us. Do you all agree with that? And I, I agree with that teaching, but that's not what this verse says. It doesn't say in me, not to me, not for me or through me. The idea that we must get from this, the teaching of the Bible, is that Christ is in us. Don't miss that. Uh, And that's reiterated uh, two more times in the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth, where? In me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of who? Are you starting to see some consistency in the teaching? Who loved me and gave himself for me. Look at chapter 4 and verse 6. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. When I was in uh, Jerusalem again, uh, staying with the missionary there, his son, they have a a boy, his name is, uh, I can't think of it all of a sudden, but he has Down syndrome. And so, but he speaks, this boy, he speaks English and Hebrew. Just, uh, it's just amazing to see what this boy is doing. And, um... He, when he would call for his dad, though, he would say, Abba, Abba. He wouldn't call him daddy. He said, Abba, Abba. That's what this is saying. What happens when the Son of God comes into our hearts? We are sons of God. And when we cry to the Father, He is our Father. And not in the sense of some uh, uh, a transcendent figure, but as an intimate relationship of a father and son, a father with a small son who just knows his father is daddy. It's such an ama- and I don't, I'm not saying that in a disrespectful way. You understand that, right? It's just such a precious thing. But this is the teaching that the Son of God is in us. This is one of the mysteries of God, according to 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and Colossians 1, 27. And Christ in me, that's the opposite. The Bible also says that we are in Christ. Isn't that interesting? Christ is in us, And we are in Him. You know what He's saying? We're one. We're together. What a wonderful teaching that is. All right. Well, the Apostle Paul said that he was to preach the gospel among the heathen. We said that he has a new perspective, a new philosophy. And now, let's finish this up. Look at verse 16 again. To reveal His Son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, that I might preach him among the heathen. Paul ended up with a, a whole new philosophy of life, and he understood that he had a new purpose. His purpose in life was to preach the gospel among the heathen. What is your purpose in life? Why do you live? Why do you exist? That's the ultimate question of philosophy going back thousands of years. Why are we here? What's the purpose in life? What am I supposed to do? God created you from the time that you were in your mother's womb for one purpose. To reveal His Son in you 
and for you to preach the gospel among the heathen. Say, wait a minute, this is just the calling for the Apostle Paul. No. The Bible says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The Bible says, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore into all the world and teach. go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Bible's very clear on it. When you are saved, God empowers you. He created you with the ability to do it. And then, when you're born again and you have the Holy Spirit that comes to dwell in you when you're born again, the Spirit of Christ, well, now, now, He gifts you to do it in a supernatural way. You say, well, I've never been very good at talking to people. Well, I'm so glad you've got the Holy Spirit in you because by grace, you can do it. By grace, you can do it. You're saying, Pastor, you just picked this passage because it's fair ministry week. No, no. No, but I think that God in His wisdom knew that some of us might need a little encouragement. And here's the deal. God created you to be able to do this. He created you to be able to do it. It's amazing what is in us, what we naturally know how to do. You know, we, we learned in uh, concealed carry class what part of the brain takes care of the, the, the autonomic nervous system. You know, you don't think about breathing. You don't, you don't think about some of these things. It's just you just do it. But then you also have the ability, we learn to walk and we learn to talk. But God created us to be able to do that. Isn't that right? When someone can't do that, there's something wrong. Isn't that right? Would you all agree with that? It doesn't mean that that person is less of a person, but it means that their body is not working the way that their body was intended to work. And if you're not sharing the gospel, if you're not willing to open your mouth, and tell someone else about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's something wrong. There's something spiritually wrong because He created you and called you and separated you from your mother's womb for that purpose. Otherwise, He'd take us out after we were saved. There'd be no reason for us to remain here in this wicked world. Let's finish with John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Let's start reading in verse 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. And they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Now that right there, where he says uh, that I came out from thee, that's him saying again that he's the Son of God. And they believed that. Verse 9, I pray for them. Now look at what it says. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are mine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, Judas, that the scripture might be fulfilled. 
And now come I to thee. And these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now look at what this says. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them, set them apart, make them righteous through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now look at verse 18. Even as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. You see, Jesus Christ was praying for his disciples. We are to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And what he prayed, he said, Father, I don't pray to take them out of the world, but that you keep them in the world. And then while they're in the world, I am sending them so that other people can believe on me through their word. You see, that's what we're here for. That's, how I, that's why God separated Paul from his mother's womb. That's why he called him by his grace to preach the gospel to the heathen. And God has given us the same call. Praise God, nobody's cutting off our head. Amen? Nobody's going to stone us. Nobody's going to beat us with rods. Nobody's going to make him be shipwrecked in the water. Nobody's going to beat him with the cat of nine, beat us with the cat of nine tails like happened to the apostle Paul. We just have to get hot, go outside, and tell somebody. I think we can do it by the grace of God. What do you think? I think we can. And I think that we can go places other than the fair and give the gospel, live our faith in this world every day. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, it's so good in this world of hurt.